Okay, um, <laughs> welcome to the next uh, episode of The Long Road. Um, today we've got a really special guest. Uh, we're joined by Matt O'Sullivan. Hey. Um, he's, uh, he's a project engineer or project manager yeah, project these manager. days, and um, he's in heavily in the d- design space. So we thought we'd bring him in here and have a chat just around the creative uh, aspects of design and, um, yeah, just kind of uncover how his brain works. So <laughs> welcome, Matt. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> Cheers, mate. No problem, Love mate. <laughs> no problem. So, mate, uh, a, a little earlier, just tell us, tell us um, obviously, a little bit about yourself, um, where you grew up and um, yeah, sure. your yeah. background. Born and raised in Sydney, born in Manly, grew up on the northern beaches in Terry Hills. Uh, which is a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. Um, it's sort of at the, it's sort of the top end of the northern beaches where you've just got Terry Hills and St Ives and Gordon. It's just such a beautiful area. So I grew up there with mum and dad, but um, we moved there specifically because um, my old man uh, was a pastor, and he 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 sort of felt like he wanted to start a school and a church over there. So we ended up starting a school, which is the one I went to which was really interesting, called Northern Beaches Christian School. So um, grew up there in Terry Hills and, uh, and did the old, you know, surfing thing down in Monavale and Narrabeen and Newport and all those areas and grew, basically just grew up outside. You know, Terry Hills is rural, it's beautiful, so all you do as a sort of a 10-year-old is ride your bike and your skatey everywhere and that's it, you know, and that was life and it was beautiful. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really nice place to grow up with my sister and mum and dad. And uh, Bull Terrier Ralph. Oh, Ralph. <laughs> Bull Terrier Ralph. Well, everyone's got to have a, everyone's got to have a uh, yeah, a Bull Terrier called Ralph, that's for sure. <laughs> so you probably didn't get away with much going through school, uh, you know? Yeah, that's it. No, exactly. Although he wasn't around, you know, it was an established school and all, and it was relatively small. But, um, yeah, it, it, interesting beginnings. Um, yeah, we the, the school actually started down in Monavale in, I think it was 19... Could have been 1982, and it was um, sort of this. We had this school that was we'd just hire out because there are only like about 38 kids there. It's, all things great start small. Yeah, okay. Very small. So sort of we all fitted in one room, and it was an old Serbian church. So that basically we'd on Friday Arvo after school we'd pack our school up and then leave, and then the next Sunday it would be a Serbian church. Like a oh maybe it was a Greek Orthodox church which was really interesting and then we'd come in Monday morning and we'd all sit in these cubicles and then just do school. Wow! And so at lunchtime, the whole school played with each other. <laughs> there was no other choice, was there? Really? Well, you just had to play with who was there. Yeah, yeah. Well, thirty-eight, so, you know, yeah. thirty-eight kids. There's not that many to oh, not man. many choices, are you? Not yeah. sport for choice. No, totally. So, but I tell you what, mate. I'm still in contact and with close mates with a number of those people. Yeah. It's quite phenomenal. We were like a family. Well, being so small, and, yeah, being so small in uh, and in such yeah. a small little area, you do become close, don't you? You know, obviously yeah. you're going to have your quarrels, but you do become close, in, like yeah. you say, like like family. So yeah. growing up and and kind of you know making do, you know, mm. like as you do on your you know mm. your push bike and your surfing mm. and your skateboarding and all that, is that kind of where you? first found out you know you had a passion for for just making do or being creative with your work um possibly i think i think that kind of came out through sort of uh 
how do you describe it? It was kind of like a process of elimination where I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I, I knew that I loved being outside and I was great with sports and I loved doing everything and anything. And then I got to the end of school and, and I had to make a decision and I didn't know what to do. So I spoke to my folks and I was sort of 17, 18 and I just said, look, I'm, I'm not sure what I want to do. I said, I've just been cruising basically, just doing what I enjoy and now I've got to make a decision and start to look after myself. And they pretty well much said, look, we know a guy and he's a chippy and he's looking for somebody, would you be interested in doing some carpentry work? And I kind of said, yeah, that'd be okay, why not? Because I, I, I just had to give it a go because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And it's strange I didn't have that foresight because I have it now, but I didn't have it back then. It was like there was just too much freedom and there was no pressure and there were no constraints. So I just went with the flow, yeah. which was a really nice way to live until you get married and have kids. <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing really pulls your focus like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's it, because then the bills start coming in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in a way, it was sort of like a process of elimination because I knew I didn't want to do carpentry. But I was, I'd sort of forged already a track that was heading down that route. So then I sort of moved down that and I did carpentry and then I tried to advance myself and I went to university and I thought, well, I want to get off the tools because I don't want to do that when I'm an old dude. So just get off the tools and go to university. So I went to UTS and got in as a mature age student and I studied, it was actually called a Bachelor of Interior Design or a Bachelor of Interior Architecture. And I knew that I was interested in design but I didn't know what or how so I chose a sub-major in furniture design and I just felt like that 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 was a passion that sort of really started to grow then yeah yeah and I think prior to uni there were times when I would dabble with building stuff and I built furniture with a mate and we started a little business and he was he was like a painter and I was a carpenter and then we did this side hustle where we built beautiful furniture yeah. And then his life went one way and mine went another and then the company basically just dissolved. But that was sort of, I think, the beginning of the seed of my love for, um, I, think I, can, I think I can create beautiful things here yeah. somehow. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. How, how, was the, uh, how was going to uni as a, as a mature age student back, uh, you know, obviously it was a little while ago. Mm. How was it there? Was it uh, kind of a... You would have had a bit more experience, a bit more life experience than your normal, um, you know, eighteen-year-old or nineteen-year-old. You know, you're yeah. probably well developed in your carpentry career. Yeah. You know, you're probably. Were you married by that stage? No, I wasn't married, but I'd, I'd done a couple of years and probably, you know, somewhat um, kid by nature. I just sort of fitted in. I, I felt like I was another eighteen-year-old. <laughs> 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 I just became mates with them all, all the girls and the guys, and we just had a great time. And we'd go across to um, we'd go across the road to the bloody pub and have beers after uni and at lunch and we'd all go to the gym and it was just like party time. Yeah. And then in the process, I got engaged and then I and then halfway through or two thirds way through, I got married. And um, you know, went on a honeymoon, came back, finished uni, and yeah, sort of had another year of uni. So it was a four year degree. And, um, but it was awesome. You know, I, there are other mature age students there at the time as well. So it's not like, that's when it sort of started to really, I think, be commonplace where you had mature age students. Mm. Yeah. So it was, it was okay. It was good. 
Yeah. With that furniture making, is that kind of a trade or a kind of skill set that's um, slowly disappearing? You think for um, you know for people to actually see the raw ingredients and then apply it to to something that's actually useful? Yeah, I think it's a real feature these days. I think being able to uh, yeah, only recently I've been doing some research into that area of the the craft of creating and making. And it's a, it's a beautiful hand-driven craft where you've got a lot of hand tools, obviously, some machines as well. But um, I've just recently been looking into it. I think it probably had been lost, but I feel like it's a real, um, it's a real niche now and it's a novelty that is now starting to build. Mm. Um, and there are some beautiful uh, sort of uh, companies out there who are actually making some amazing stuff. Um, it's funny because the only reason sort of I'm sort of really looking at that now is because I feel like there needs to be a shift in upstand. There needs to be a move towards that craft and, I, and I'm sort of looking ahead going, who could I talk to next year? So I'm doing a bit of research in that field and, and, and uh, Pinterest and Instagram are a fantastic way to be able to sort of see what these people are doing. And there's a few people down on the Northern Beaches actually in Brookvale who, for example, have 43,000 followers and he's like this craftsman. It's just phenomenal, the stuff. So I think it's there. You've just got to find them. Have you have you had any exposure to the Japanese style of um, uh, carpentry and woodwork in that furniture making? Because yeah. they do really some sublime stuff, I think. Oh, yeah, I, I do, and I love it. And I do actually uh, research up on Instagram some of the Japanese creators there. But... Um, it's a, it is a, an inspiration for me. I can't name any off, sort of off the top of my head, but um, the way that they have a, a simple design um, and always accommodate for space. So because obviously there's, they're living in sort of smaller confinements, they always have these puzzle-like solutions that I love looking at. But also there's also a, um, with their designs, it's also a, sort of a reflection of the past. So their shapes are quite traditional. They're, they're quite lovely and subtle and traditional, and I love that with their designs. Um, in terms of their level of detail, it's just next to none. You know, their joints and, uh, and whatnot. Well, their, yeah, their joinery work yeah. is something yeah. is something really to be kind of beheld, even yeah. when they're building houses. You yeah. know, they build houses without nails. And they build things to last. Yeah, Things are actually built beyond their life so that they're lasting for generations which is an amazing way to think yeah with the tangible and the intangible when you're thinking of furniture as well as a business yeah and it's funny because we're i suppose all of us in the western kind of you know in the western hemisphere uh so used to that you know that disposable kind mm. of lifestyle where mm. you know where we can get a shirt from kmart for five dollars mm. and we don't really have to worry mm. and then the on the opposite side you have the japanese that will apply themselves mm. and do some real you know a real kind of respect for the past and then you mm. know and then create a beautiful piece that will last for three or four hundred years. Yeah, there, um, there's actually a, a guest house called the Yoshida Guest House. It's made completely oh, out wow. of timber with glass. Oh wow, that's awesome. There's, there's no, there's no, Goodness. there's nothing else but timber and, and glass in this. Yeah, timber dowels that keep it all together. That's right. Yeah. So the forestry yeah. commission for this um, wow. prefecture, uh, yeah, uh, applied 
the timber and I wanted to wow. wanted to showcase their resources or the timber industry and mm. they did this guest house and it's just absolutely sublime. Oh, so that's here, yeah. No, no, no it's Where's in that? Japan. Yeah, it's, right. uh, yeah, so Yoshida guest house. Mm. I'll um, I'll put a link on the uh, mm. on actually on the. Um, I'd love to see that on the on the uh, in the description here. Yeah, um, yeah, it's that like you were saying. You, you know, it's that sort of disposable five buck t shirt or, you know. That, but but then it comes to, yeah it's that um, it's that sort of a bit of a dichotomy isn't it where you think well you know I'd like to spend less but you know what kind of quality can I get for it and it's it's being able to make beautiful things at a reasonable price and that's that's that fine balance there if you can provide people that quality um, and and expect them to pay a reasonable price for it but knowing that it's going to last I mean that's a win win. And and when you and when you take it over the life lifespan of an item or a product, yeah, it may be look when you look at a, a decent pair of shoes, you may spend two or three hundred dollars yeah. instead of twenty dollars. Yeah, but you've got those twenty dollar ones because you don't look after them for yeah. for, for six months. <laughs> you've got the two hundred dollars ones for ten years. So yeah, that's it. you know per wear, it's costing you you know ten cents or five cents, and this one's costing you you know a dollar. Yeah, that's it. And if you're lucky, the five buck one, the twenty buck ones, will last for three years. Yeah, well, if if you're very <laughs> but very you're lucky, get sore feet. Absolutely, and you're not going to treat them well, are you? You know. Exactly. Oh, they've got a bit of money in them. <laughs> so obviously with that design thing, um, uh, where did you go on after uh, university? Did you follow design or did yeah, you go somewhere absolutely. else? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was it for me. It was like, it was a line in the sand where I thought, okay, stop fluffing around. You've made a call. You've gone to uni. You've finished your degree just and um, you've loved it. So now what? And uh, I remember I was out with some friends one night and they said, so what are you up to? And I said, oh, I'm just looking for some work, basically. I'd love to be able to get into the architectural field and, and interior design field and sort of putting some feels out. And they said, well, we know this guy and he's in Darlinghurst and he's this amazing residential architect and he, he designs the houses and the furniture and the landscaping. Oh and goodness. I'm like, get out. And she said, he's after someone. And I said, well, you know, give me his details. And I met him and I got the job. Wow. And this guy was just a wonderful, beautiful man. And he still is obviously doing his work and doing his craft the way he does. His name's Wally Barter. Yeah. And his houses. So basically, he, uh, I was, <clears throat> I think at the time, yeah, so I was obviously finished uni, so married and living in, um, we were living in Edgecliff, so we were living in the city. And his office was in Darlinghurst, so I'd basically just walk to work in my thongs and jeans and a T-shirt <laughs> down past Rushgoes Bay and um, walk up to work, go under the Coke sign, grab a coffee, and then just sit in a sit in a beautiful um, Darlinghurst terrace all day and just and just and draft. work and oh, draft wow. and learn and and watch and yeah, it was a really wonderful existence. Uh, it was probably five years I was with him yeah. still follow him on Instagram you know and and communicate with him not so much recently but yeah he became a great friend and and a real sort of influence to see that craft so I was able to experience it firsthand it's amazing the the what beauty they can see in there and you kind of you know you kind of it's it's such a mysterious thing. You, it's almost like alchemy, where they go, you know, when you go, how could you possibly think mm. or apply mm. that material to that space with that, you know, with that finish? 
at that light, at that angle, yeah. you know, uh, it's just it, it's it baffles me. Yeah. Um, have you um, <clears throat> have you are you a fan of Frank Lloyd Wright? Yeah, I love Frank Lloyd Wright. I love his work. Uh, you know, I think you know he was obviously that the uh, you know one would say probably the founder of the open plan. You know, the way that houses opened up. Uh, as opposed to the, you know, the four, you know, the four walls for the lounge room, and then the kitchen, and then the dining room, and the living room. That just became this open plan. Yes. And he had a fascinating career because it started quite um, traditional, and then he had a rebirth, and it was like his rela- renaissance at an older age, where then he became just s- super creative in another way, where his works just became um, he, they they brought on that level of modernism. Um, that you that you see throughout his career, but it didn't start that way. So it was quite quite beautiful how he was able to reinvent himself and change and change, change lanes. Yeah, just go okay. I'm um, you know we and can pivot. do something. Yeah, and they thought he was gone and thought he was over. They thought his career had finished, and then I think it was through a competition and he submitted this, and they just went, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> Um, you, could, you could only, yeah, absolutely. You could only imagine what his probably thought process was yeah. going through that when he goes, I've got yeah. to do something different here. I've got to shake it up. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely. Know, yeah. And he did in a major way. Well, yeah, some of his some of his works are just, you know, uh, yeah. words don't do them justice. Yeah. You know, waterfalls, you know, right. what an amazing, yeah. you know, what an yeah. amazing building that is. Oh, it's um, stunning. And all, these, all of his other, you know, school buildings and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, just his furniture. He designed yeah. chairs oh. and tables and interiors and screens and doors and handles and joinery. It was just everything. Incredible. Him. And, you know, and he, <laughs> he was... He took it to the nth degree, didn't he? Because he had the school um, where he would actually teach, teach people, and it was teaching people not just the, not just the the architecture. It's the it's everything around architecture. It's it's the it's the gardens and it's it's growing foods and it's living within the house, which is a living organism. Incredible, phenomenal, incredible. Yeah. Is a yeah. definitely a man before his time. Yeah, definitely yeah. a man before his yeah. time. So yeah, that that would have been a fascinating kind of mm. um, you know an experience and opening up uh, into into the world of design mm. and just the creative process. Mm. Um, currently now you uh, you do some project management. Is that, mm. yeah. So is that that's probably a different process where you've got to be fairly. Uh, kind of rigid and mm, structured mm. and methodical in your in your day to day work. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but, yeah. Um, my my next question is, mm. you've obviously found a balance because mm. um, you're the founder and inventor of a mm. collapsible mm. Um, standing desk <laughs> called yeah. Upstand. Yeah, uh, you did mention it before. Um, yeah, tell us about how that kind of came about and. Um, the creative process behind that? Yeah, Upstand came about probably around 2017 and I it came about through, um, I remember one day standing in my room going and looking at myself and looking at my face. You know when you just look at your reflection sometimes and you just go, geez, you look tired. <laughs> I just was like... How, how are you going to keep up? How are you going to keep going? And I woke up and I had a sore back and I was just like, I looked like I'd just been on been on a bender for days. And I hadn't. I'd, I'd probably just been working in the garden all weekend and I just felt flogged. And I thought, 
I, I can't keep doing this. I want to be healthy. I want to be living. I've got decades in front of me. Yeah. And I said to I said to my wife, I said, oh, I just I just looked at myself in the mirror, Em, and I just said, I've got to make a change, and I'm going to go and see a I'm going to go and see someone about my back because I just can't keep I can't keep um, waking up in pain. And I had such a sedentary life. I sat and I never, I, I, it got to that point post uni where I worked at a computer doing drafting and working in an architectural office. And I was, I was caught up in that world and I didn't have the balance. So I would find that I'd be sitting all day. And on the weekends we'd get her out and we'd go to Paddington and have a coffee and some you know, bacon and egg roll and whatever you do. But still there was none, none of that exercise that I had when I was younger. Yeah. So you're going from from oh, sitting down yeah. to a hundred to a hundred mile an hour. That's it. Yeah. And I just and I just said, look, I think I think we just need to invest in some money, and I need to get treated for a few for a couple of months. And I went to a guy, and and he he said, yep, yeah, look, let's do a three month plan. Looked at me, saw him sometimes twice a week, and then it sort of got scaled down, obviously, to sort of a once a week and then once a fortnight. And I just kept seeing him, got X rays and everything like that, and we saw the sort of the de- degenerative type issues that I had in my lower spine yep. and uh, and he said look Matt if you can just do two things for me uh, you'll be heading in the right direction he said you've got to walk more and you've got to stand more and so that just hit me really hard and and I knew that I was I was going to do the best I could so I, I literally got back to my office so I was at Milson's Point at the time working in a project management office and his his studio um, uh, Bryce was just uh, down there in Melson's Point. <clears throat> so I walked back to the office after my session and I said, he told me to stand. I'm going to find something that I can put on my desk to place my laptop on. And whenever my phone rings, I'm going to walk because my phone always rang. So yeah. I thought, well, I'm not going to sit down and answer my phone. If my phone rings, boom, that's it. I'm up. And I walked and I would do laps around the boardroom table. People would be like, there goes Matt. He's on the phone again. <laughs> That's classic. And then I grabbed this cardboard box underneath my desk and I shoved all the crap paper out of the way and I, I put my laptop on it. And, they're like, and they're like, my work colleagues are like, what has happened to this guy? <laughs> he's working off a flaming cardboard box and he's doing laps around the boardroom table. Oh, and, um, wow. and that was it. And I was, it was probably four weeks into it and, and I went, if... I wonder if I could design a piece of furniture that's as easy as installing than just putting a cardboard box on your table. And I just went, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this. And I had no concept of I'm going to build a company or build a website and sell products and get them manufactured and patented and sold. I just went, here's a problem. I reckon I could solve this. And I was just like... <laughs> Necessity, the on, mother of invention. Yeah, that's exactly right. I was on a mission. A mission a mission a to si- fix your back. A mission to fix my life, my body, my sedentary behaviour. I did not want to look in that <laughs> mirror again and go, you look old. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and the goal basically was, I said to myself, okay, time frame, three months, I'm going to have four desks. I'm going to do four designs. And I was commuting at the time 
and I was driving, uh, sort of driving a little bit, but then also catching a train. So I could spend heaps of time thinking and drafting and drawing and sketching and whatnot. And um, yeah, and I, I basically said, okay, I'm just going to do four designs in three months and prototype it and then set a date and then invite some family and friends over to have a look at them. So that's where Upstand was born. Oh, how Upstand was born. The light bulb moment. Yeah. Hey? I can't, yeah. 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 Enough's enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did feel. you start to look at other things, uh, other design things or other inventions and go, and, and you know, do you, does your thought process or your eye kind of direct, do you reverse engineer it is what I'm probably trying to ask. You know, you see things that might be quite quirky and you go, okay, well, I wonder how they did that, you know? Yeah, I did, but then I also had a hit list. So I had a, a, I had a, I had a list of things that I wanted to try and accomplish. So it gave me a, a, a framework, and the framework was that it had to be collapsible, it had to be lightweight, it had to be recyclable, um, and uh, and it had to be affordable. And then the fifth one was it had to look fun. And it had to be enjoyable. You'd want to grab it and play with it and hold it and look at it and go, damn, that's sexy. And that's what I wanted, those five... A sexy stand-up yeah, table. Yeah, well, like sexy furniture. Furniture that just goes, that's just not a boring yeah, boring item. Yeah. Hold on, that's something that that is three-dimensionally sitting there at the moment, which looks like two triangles. But within two seconds, it collapses into a flat, a flat piece of... You know, recycled yeah. plastic, aesthetically I mean. beautiful to look at. Yeah. You know, ca- you know, eye catching, and, and that's the fun component. You can play with it, yeah. but you can use it. But it's healthy, and so I had those constraints. And yes, I did look at design, and I knew what I loved, and I knew what looked good because I have that, I have that passion for design. So I knew that if I could try and get that criteria into a into a beautiful object, then great. So my goal was get just get one desk and for me and use it and that was the end game if I can get one desk and I can put and I can make it and I can find someone to make it and I can have it on my desk for me then I've achieved my goal yeah so. what did your family and friends say did they look at you and go oh, he's lost it he's lost it or were they you know oh, did they say uh, they yeah because I started a I started an Instagram site called Upstand and everyone was like what the hell's Upstand like aren't you where's your mat site gone and I'm like oh I'm just I'm just trying out a few things and I stood I slowly slowly sort of launched upstand and then upstand with Twitter and then upstand with Facebook and then I started building a website but they were kind of like yeah obviously something's going on in the background but you know I'm at home with my wife and my young daughter and I'm doing my own thing at 11:30 at night building prototypes so no one really ever saw what I was doing I was busy, busy, busy just <laughs> designing and building. And um, and then when it came to the crunch on, it was around, um, I think it was May, I, I basically just had the five prototypes and I said to, to family and friends, right, this is this, these, these are my four, sorry, four prototypes, these are my four, what do you think? And I unveiled them one at a time and showed them how they all operated. And we sort of just went from there and they just said, yeah, this is great. You know, what are you going to do now? And I said, I don't know. I might, I like it. I might patent it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the pat- the patent kind of process is is a fairly in-depth uh, 
process as well. There's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of boxing. There's a lot of protections because mm. they probably you can uh, I know a little bit about it, but mm. you can you can actually protect it in your own jurisdiction with yeah. Australia. Yeah. But then you can get a whole worldwide one. So yeah. I think it's WIPO, the World Intellectual Property uh, Rights Organisation. I think it yeah. is um, yeah. kind of there. So that's you know hats off to you. Mm. Anyway, getting through that minefield because yeah, full on. Honestly, it's, it's time yeah. consuming. Oh, and. And expensive. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah. Uh, look, I at that time I came across it. I, I just, um, I did actually end up just sort of Googling and trying to find someone who was close to Milson's Point and I found somebody who was in the city in the CBD and I, I literally just gave him a call um, and uh, got in contact with a fantastic uh, company called um, FPA Patent Attorneys. And I ended up becoming mates with the guy who ended up sort of patenting the upstand for me. Oh, um, really? Yeah, we got quite close, and um, uh, he he helped us out, and he he just he just charged me a flat fee, and basically it was <laughs> next to nothing. Yeah, okay. He's a lovely guy, and he just said, "Look, I, I see your passion, and I see you got no money." He said, "So let's just sort of do this. It'll be my side project." Yeah. And he was one of the directors there, and he was a young guy. But I remember the time I actually walked into their office, and because he said, "Look, well, let's meet, and you can show us some stuff." And I'm and I'm in this amazing office, like it's phenomenal, overlooking the botanical gardens, and it's like the ceilings were bloody twenty foot, and there was an enormous indoor um, sort of Japanese maple that was growing out of a marble pot that would have been sort of eight meters in diameter. Wow. And anyway, a um, couple of guys come walking down. Uh, it was a Friday. I remember I went in on a Friday, and Friday I always went to the office at Milson's Point wearing jeans and a T-shirt and sort of some shoes, and I thought, oh, crap, I'm probably a bit... <laughs> a bit underdone here. Underdone <laughs> here, and then down, walking down the stairs with two dudes, sneakers, black jeans and T-shirts and beards, and I went, oh, this is a good fit. <laughs> and we just went from there for years. A bit of the, uh, a bit of the uh, throwback to Steve Jobs, you know, the early times. <laughs> I'm like, I like this company. <laughs> but yeah, it's a process and a half and it takes time. We ended up getting protection in Australia, the UK and the US. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big, it's a big call. You know, we get protection for 25 odd years and, you know, it's a gamble. If nothing happens, nothing happens. If it does, it does. But that's what um, a patent is. It's insurance. Mm. So if it does blow up, then boom, you're covered. Or if somebody overseas does want to um, sell your product on your behalf, then you can negotiate. And it's that leverage that you've got. It's Well, it's, it's the precedent date too. Yeah. So, <coughs> the, yeah, so they can't, so I know a little bit about it, obviously. Mm. But if, you, if you're if you in first mm. and anything that's, mm. you know, that's similar, mm. it's a rip-off. No, no, you've got, yeah, you've it's registered. It's called prior art. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, it is actually, yeah. Prior so that, art, yeah. yeah. That pre, uh, yeah. precedent date is fairly important. Yeah. How important is it to have someone in your corner, you know, like, you know, like <clears throat> your um, your patent attorney there and, yeah. you know, to believe, you know, to see what you see? Yeah. Yeah. You come across these people every now and again um, and it's it's special and it's, it's worth so much and it gets you through those lonely times when you go... Am I really getting anywhere here, or is anyone really seeing this? And then somebody comes along and says, "I want to help because I believe in it and I love it," and that means so much. And it's it doesn't ha- for me it hasn't happened all the time, but it's happened in integral moments or integral yeah. stages. These milestones when I've kind of needed it. Um, 
Yeah, so it's a special thing. It's a lonely process, isn't yeah. it? You know, really chasing your dreams and uh, mm. and tracing, mm. you know, something that you've put yourself out there for. It mm. is a very lonely thing. And like you said mm. before, if you're up at 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock and, mm. you know, and everyone else is in bed mm. and you're applying yourself to a problem or to, you know, to your passion, um, it is a lonely process. So, yeah, I don't think it's, it's, um, it's any light thing to be able to get that validation and that support, you know, mm, because totally. it really does lift you. You know, lifts lifts your energy, lifts your whole yeah. domain, and you go, oh wow, you know, yeah. I'm not a lunatic, you know, it's great. Yeah, and they're doing it, they're doing it out of sort of, they're just doing it through good faith. They're, they're doing it because they want to, and they're not getting anything out of it. Mm. So you can tell that they've obviously got a, a love of it or a passion of it, or a, they want to assist in a, in a big way. I mean, that that speaks volumes when somebody's not getting a, a kick out, a kickback from it and wanting to help anyway. Yeah, that's amazing. That's yeah, that's amazing too. Yeah, because we've got, you know, you know, I suppose in Australia we've we are a fairly inventive kind of uh, a country. We've got a we've got a lot of you know world first in here because at the birth of the country we were isolated. We had to make do. So we you know obviously we had to look at things and apply a different thought you know and and look at problems a bit differently i suppose mm. than than most other mm. uh you know uh, continents around the world because mm. we were so isolated mm. you work with what you've got yeah you know we've got you know obviously you know you, we could probably rattle off a thousand but you know the hill mm. toys mm. The, the you know the jump uh, was it the jump stump plow mm. you know in the early days where mm. people you know where people would really have to mm. to get creative so mm. it's great to hear that you know mm. that ideas mm. really good ideas can mm. you know can mm. can be carried so mm. yeah well, definitely what's next what's next for upstand um we well, it's just it's a non-stop for me because it's kind of a love i i don't stop sketching and designing so i've got so many other designs but i i feel like um I feel it's sort of twofold. There's a there's a level of marketing next year that that needs to, to ramp up, yep. and and that for me is a learning process. I, I used to think of, I used to have the 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 idea that marketing is just this dark science that nobody knows about, and you've got to be a marketer, and and I've I've sort of been looking for people to help me and assist with marketing, and it sort of hasn't worked out, and I and I realised that maybe it's not so much a dark science. And it's just, it's just finding the medium that suits you and getting out there and showing your face. So I really feel like marketing can be quite clear and transparent. It doesn't have to be necessarily a dark science. It can be, it can be quite honest and truthful. And I think if, if I'm marketing from a place where I can help people, I think that's the starting point because the, 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 the company is there to provide a solution for people who don't want to stand in front of that bloody mirror and go, you've got to make a change. It's an affordable, easy thing to do. So I think that's, for next year, it's trying to get that out there. And then on the product front, it's looking at, it's it's looking at, we've been getting some inquiries from on our website about timber, so timber desks. So I'm looking at, so I'm designing sort of a, a, a collapsible sort of puzzle-like desk that can be assembled still in a matter of seconds, but out of recycled timber. Oh, so wow. it's still lightweight, it's, it's, it's um, still affordable, and it's durable, and it can be collapsed and pulled apart and put back you know, when you need. So 
I feel like it's that shift that I probably need to make, uh, which is moving in that direction in terms of products and looking at, you know, hopefully being able to release a product next year that's that's sort of more timber-based. Um, yeah, so that's one area. Nice. That's so, a couple of thoughts. Well, if you, if you think of it this way, you're fixing backs. The, you know, yeah. you, you've got the opportunity to fix backs, you know, across the world, across <laughs> the globe. So, you know, maybe the back whisperer, Matter Southern. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah, no I'm, even though I'm joking, I think it's, one. I think it's, you know, I think it's important because we yeah. do, we do sit down a lot. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're now it. we're working home. You know, yeah. we can sit down there, we can yeah. get into a little bit of a corner. Yeah, use an upstand and, yeah. and work. Yeah, well, I think people are moving. Or pe- that that shift has happened from you know from from COVID. Um, that working from home is is a lot more prevalent with people's lives it might not be 20 you know it might not be five days a week but if it's two out of the five days a week or three out of the five days a week what's the solution you know what i mean absolutely and that's where i think we can fit in there is a solution and you can use something without disturbing your entire space you don't have to get something that's 1500 to you know fifteen thousand dollars for a a remote stand-up desk It, it can be something that you can you know, fit into your space and your time and your type of sort of working environment. And movable too and mobile. So, yeah, you, can, you know, it. if the kids are making some noise yeah. or yeah. you need to move, yeah, you know, true. to another room, you can go, yeah. all right, fine, I've had enough. <laughs> Boom, it. here we go. I'm going to the picnic table. I'm going to the picnic table. I'm going out <laughs> to the garden. Leave me alone. awesome well um i think that uh basically uh wraps it up but look um we're going to be watching uh upstand uh obviously the long road listeners and myself Mm. in in particular Mm. and we uh we're expecting some big things for uh for you my friend over the next uh 12 to 24 months and um really appreciate your time coming in and 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 breaking it all down for us and uh all the best no problem thanks mate thanks matt cheers mate Bye. Bye.